Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Pastor Jared Neiman. All right, how many of you love the Lord today? And how many of you are so glad that God is always on your side today? Praise God. Give him the greatest round of applause that you have given all day. Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. The literal definition of the phrase hope deferred means unrelenting disappointment. Unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick. This isn't talking about, you know, that something didn't work out exactly the way you wanted and it was a little disappointing and you just moved on with your week. I had a root canal on Friday and that was extremely disappointing. But I moved on with my week. Does that make sense? What was even more disappointing, you know, you're having a root canal because um, you have an infection. And they got to go in and clean the infection out, right? You all know that, right? Well, what was the most disappointing part about it was that the infection in my tooth was so bad that the anesthesia couldn't get through the infection to numb my tooth. So I had a uh, very painful root canal. It wasn't one of those numb root canals, although the rest of my mouth was numb, but the tooth that they were working on wasn't numb. Extremely disappointing. However, that is not unrelenting disappointment. Many of you have come in here today and you are dealing with situations where there is disappointment that is so unrelenting. Many of you have walked in here today and hope has so deferred out of your life. Maybe everywhere you turn, every corner you go around, everywhere you look, you just feel like it's just all disappointment. And the Bible says that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick, but I love what the New Living Translation says. It says that unrelenting disappointment makes the heart sick, but a fulfilled dream is a tree of life and joy. How many of you have ever seen a dream come true? Anybody? And how many of you enjoyed that dream coming true? Yeah, we did. Come on. I mean, of course we did, right? That's not some deep uh, biblical revelation. Dreams coming true are good. We like that, right? I mean, it's fun. We, we, we enjoy good things happening to us. But hope deferred leads to unrelenting disappointment. And the Bible says that that makes your heart sick. So I'm, I'm speaking to you today about a hope that causes your dreams to come true. I pray today that you're living full of dreams, full of aspirations, full of expectations, full of anticipation, not living in unrelenting disappointment. See, hope is the combination of anticipation and desire, right? We are anticipating that something we desire will manifest in our lives, right? That is the very essence of hope. And the great thing is that we serve a God of hope 
and a God of anticipation and a God of desires and dreams and vision. The very biblical definition of hope is a positive expectation for God's promises. A positive expectation. Hope in action could be defined as the forward view of the righteous. See, everything about God and everything about hope is looking forward into your life. There's nothing about hope that says, I'm giving you hope so that you can have a positive expectation of what already took place. I mean, how ridiculous is that? We all know we can't go back and change the past. Everything about God, the only thing God cares about is your todays and your tomorrows. He does not care about your past anymore. Please, if you do anything today, let your past be your past and put it where it belongs in your rear view mirror. Amen? See, I pray that you have plenty to look forward to. That disappointment hasn't robbed you of your dreams and your positive expectations in life. You know, I, I can't understand something about our society. There's people in, in our society that tend to, like, love to rob people of their hope. Why would you want to live like that? I mean, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and... I mean, you'll see someone post something about, I'm gonna go apply for this new job and like the first two will be, hey, good for you. Hey, I hope you get in the third one will be, why are you gonna do that? You know nothing good ever happens in our family. I mean, what is that? Why do you, there are people walking around that all they've got left is a glimmer of hope. There are people that are walking, that their finances are so destroyed, their marriages are in so much trouble, they are so addicted to something, and all they've got is a glimmer of hope, and you're gonna rob them of that? Why would you wanna be that person? I mean, I look at it this way. If you're gonna go try to get that new job, if you don't try, you already didn't get it. If you don't ask for something, you already didn't get it. If you don't go for the win, you've already lost. So why not just go try? Why not hope that this might work out? If you don't do anything, you have guaranteed that you failed. So why not? Why not? And why can't we? Encourage them. Why do we want to rob people of hope? Sometimes that's all they've got. And you're going to take what they've got left? Jeremiah verse 29, 11. My favorite scripture. Well, one of, one of my favorite three. I love this scripture. You there? Okay, good. If you're not, just listen. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Okay, this is God speaking. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Hey, we could stop right there and say amen. Am I right? 
I'll take some peace in my life. That means calmness of mind. How many of you would like to go to bed tonight without turmoil, with peace? Amen. I mean, we can, we can stop right there and it's good. Thoughts of peace and never of evil to give you a future and a hope. A future filled with a positive expectation that God can make good things happen in your life. A positive expectation that he can bring dreams to realities in your life. A positive expectation that the promises of healing, of freedom, of joy, of mercy, of love can manifest in your life. See, that's what God has for your life. See, it would be terrible. It'd be terrible to live without any hope for your future. It would have been terrible for our church that the day we had this great grand opening of this church, we said, well, that was the dream we had. Now we're just gonna float. We built the building. Thank you so much for paying for it. We appreciate it. Now we're done. I mean, how ridiculous would that be? See, I believe that God fulfills one dream and then brings another dream into your heart. I believe God can take you from one place to an even better place. See, we're not done. Abundant Living Faith Center's not done. I'm negotiating right now to buy land on the west side to build a church over there. We're not done. We don't settle for just this. This is amazing, don't get me wrong. This is incredible, but I believe God wants us to impact our entire city. I believe God wants us to impact the nation and the world. So hey, we're gonna go from one dream to the next dream. Why can't you live that way? Because God's got a hope and a future for you. What dream do you have today? What vision do you have today for your life, for your family? What dream do you have? What expectation do you have? I believe today in the next 27 minutes that your hope, your dreams, and your vision are gonna be reignited, reinvigorated. I believe God is going to infuse a new energy and passion into your life for your future and your family's future, a, a, a passion to do things that maybe you gave up on certain dreams and that dream's gonna just rise back up in your mind and in your spirit and God's gonna empower you to go make that dream happen. Can I get a good amen in this room today? See, we serve a God of hope. And I pray every day that you can find this church as a church of hope, a refuge of hope. Therefore, let's decide that we are gonna be people of hope. See, what an incredible opportunity that it is that we have. You know, the Bible says to go out and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. What an incredible opportunity we have to go out and be people of hope. Why can't we be the fifth comment on the Facebook comments and say, hey, don't listen to that fool. Go get that new job. Why can't we be that? Abundant Living Faith Center and the members of this great church, why can't we be telling people, go start that business, go open that restaurant, go get your masters. You can do it, you're smart enough. God loves you, he'll give you the provision for it. Go for it. Why can't we be that? What a great opportunity for our church to go out into our community and be people of hope. But let's understand something. 
There is a battle taking place day in and day out for your hope. And the battle is between God and Satan. See, God, we already read it, has a hope and a future for you. God wants to give you peace. He wants to empower your life through his grace. He wants to give you wisdom for any situation that you may be facing. He wants to give you comfort. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make your dreams come true. But the Bible says that Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy your hope. See, if Satan would have it his way, he would get you to quit. He would have you live in turmoil. He would have you frustrated. He would let you fail at every single thing you try. He would have you stuck in regret and pain, living in unrelenting disappointment. See, the devil attacks your hope through that disappointment. Why? Because the Bible says that through that disappointment, it causes your heart to be sick. And why is that such a big deal? Well, the reality is this, is that if your heart's not functioning, if your heart is sick, your body's sick. Am I right? I'm just talking about the physical body. If your heart is sick, your body doesn't function right. If your heart stops, your body literally dies. The the heart is the engine room of your life. It's the engine that drives your train. Well, the same is true spiritually. Your spiritual heart, which is your soul that my dad started teaching on last week, is the, the deciding factor of your life. It drives your life. And so we have to protect our hearts. See, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, to guard your heart above all else. So God laid out the priority there. He said, above anything else, there is no other priority higher than for you to guard your heart. See, and Satan's trying to attack your heart to get you to live in unrelenting disappointment and see if he can get your heart sick, what it causes you to do is that your body doesn't function. You don't function right. Therefore, you're not living at the full efficiency of the life God wants you to have. See, and it's entirely possible to be living in certain areas of your life. Maybe you came in here today and your marriage is okay, but your finances are totally destroyed. See, it's totally possible that your finances are okay, but you can't get along with your spouse anymore, so your marriage is in trouble. See, it's totally possible that you can have some areas that are functioning uh, uh, well, but some areas that aren't. Therefore, your heart is starting to get sick because that area is, dis- is being dis- disappointed and you're facing that disappointment and the more you're disappointed in that area, it'll start to creep in to the other areas. So we gotta guard our heart. See, what I love about the New Living Translation, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So literally, where your heart is determines the course of your life. Two weeks ago, I did a teaching on the power of your words. And it says that life and death are in the power of your tongue. But then it says in the Bible that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth 
speaks. So the condition of your heart determines what you're going to be speaking. So where the condition of your heart is, if the condition of your heart is healthy, full of life, full of hope, full of God's word, you're going to speak that. So you're going to choose life with your words. But if it's not, then you're going to speak death. So you're choosing the death, not literal death, but death to the, to the fullness of the promise in the future that God has for you. So it's the condition of our heart. We gotta guard our hearts because it affects every aspect of our life. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says that this hope we have is the anchor of our soul. What an incredible scripture. This hope we have. Now listen, this is talking about godly hope. And the, the, the scripture goes on to say that this hope uh, goes behind the veil into the presence of God. So hope in God, the Bible says, goes directly into the presence of God. Well, how is that? Well, it's because Jesus is hope. Jesus is the Lord of hope. So when you have hope in him, that hope goes directly into the presence of God where Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding upon, uh, for your behalf to make your dreams come true. Praise God, huh? But it says that this hope we have is an anchor to our soul. What does an anchor do? It holds the ship steady, right? They, when, when out in the ocean, the captain will drop the anchor when he needs the ship to hold steady. Therefore, not allowing the storms, the winds, the tide to take the ship off to sea. See, if they don't drop the anchor overnight, they'll be totally off course and there's a good chance that they'll be lost out to sea. But when they drop the anchor, it holds the ship Steady. See, this hope we have anchors your soul so that the storms of life, the attacks of Satan, so that the enemy cannot take you out to sea, that it can't cause you to drift out to sea. It holds you where God needs you to be on the path of righteousness. This hope, this positive expectation, this positive outlook, this forward view that you and I as the righteous are afforded to have as children of God. But let's understand the process before we go any further. See, hope deferred leads to unrelenting disappointment. So the first step is that deferred hope takes you to disappointment. The next step is that disappointment becomes despondency. Despondency is where you start feeling defeated, confused, or lost. How many of you have ever experienced some despondency in your life? The rest of you have had a per every situation worked out perfect? <laughs> Can you come up here and teach this? We've all been there, right? We've all been there. We've all felt defeated. We've all felt lost. We've all sat there totally confused as to what to do, how to turn a certain situation around. But it gets worse. Despondency becomes despair. 
And in despair is where you start saying things like, it's pointless for me to continue. What's the point in even trying to believe anymore? What's the point in even going for it? What's the point? This is pointless. I'm just going to go file for divorce. See, I'm so defeated. Our marriage is so lost. Our finances are in so much trouble. What's the point? We've all been there too, haven't we? Where we've come, maybe even driven to work. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, what is the point? It gets worse. Despair becomes desperation. And this is ultimately where Satan's trying to get you, to desperation. Because see, in desperation is where uh, reckless, sometimes even violent, usually terrible decisions are made in desperation. You see people go shoot up places out of desperation. You see people go uh, uh, get more debt to pay off debt out of desperation. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to be desperate anymore. You don't have to be lost anymore. The children of God do not have to be defeated by life anymore. I believe that today is your day that this desperation, this despair, this despondency is going to begin to turn around. I want to tell you that you can be free from that addiction. I want to tell you that your marriage can recover. I want to tell you that that business can be successful. I'm here to tell you that Jesus paid for any sickness that may be currently in your body, and I believe that your healing is in this room today. I believe today is the day that hope is reignited into your life. Today, Abundant Living Faith Center, come on, give the Lord a great shout of praise. See, hopelessness is a world of accepting inevitability. It's a world where you mentally resign to this is my fate. This is just bad karma that I deserve. I wasn't very nice when I was in college. It's a world of living in impossibilities. And where something is impossible, there is no hope. And all of that is the bad news. Now, are you ready for the good news? Really? Are you ready for the good news? Luke 1.37 says, with God, nothing is impossible. Say it with me. With God, nothing is impossible. Say it again. With God, nothing is impossible. Come on, say it like you need it. With God, nothing is impossible. Come on, say it like you believe it and you want it to happen. With God. Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing with God, not with man, with God, with God, with God, with God, with God having a hope and a future for me. Nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing. I forgot to pray over the prayer request. Can we do it right now? Father, I thank you right now that with you, Absolutely nothing 
is impossible. I know that people have come into this room today with great need, Father. And right now, we take our eyes off of the need and we look at your power. And I believe that your supernatural power is flowing through their lives all throughout this room, watching online today and the people represented on this request. I believe there's freedom through your power. I believe there's healing through your power. There's joy, grace, and mercy through your power in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that every need is met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And through you, we can do all things in the name of Jesus, amen. With God, nothing is impossible. Romans five, verse five says, now this hope does not disappoint. This hope, the hope in Jesus does not disappoint. See, I love God for, for what he does with things because see, God's ways are not the world's ways. See, the world says that what is impossible is impossible, but God says what you may think is impossible is still possible through me. See, the world takes you from hope to hopelessness. God takes you from hope to fulfilled dreams and from hopelessness to restoration. See, God's ways are not our ways. His hope is a hope that does not disappoint. I thought of, when I was studying this, I thought of Abraham, right? And you know, he was like 3,000 years old and God had given him this dream to have children and told him that he was gonna be the father of many nations and the father of faith and all this, but he's like 3,000 years old and he's got no kids. And he's looking at, over at his old wife and he's like, God, God, I'm like 3,500 now, God. Imagine that, your whole life, your whole life, and it hasn't happened yet. Your whole life, and look what it says in Romans what Abraham did, it says, Abraham, against all hope, listen, against all hope, that's talking about worldly hope. So Abraham, against all hope, in hope, he believed. So against all worldly hope, in godly hope, he believed. See, you may be facing a situation today where you have no idea, there's no logical reason how this is gonna turn around, but I'm here to tell you today, godly hope can turn it around. You don't have to have this incredible faith. It doesn't say how amazing his faith was. He just believed in hope. He just chose hope. Okay, God, you gave me this dream. I hope it's gonna happen. Well, you know what, I can hope. I may not be able to do a lot of things, but I can hope and I believe that God can turn around your situation today. Maybe reality doesn't say it. Maybe what you're looking at doesn't say it. Maybe every corner you've turned doesn't say it. And, but against all hope, in hope believe and watch what God can do in your life, amen. Amen. Three steps. 
Three steps to avoiding a path of hopelessness. Are you ready? Number one, the first step is, where's your focus? Where's your focus? When you're in a hopeless situation, where you're in an unrelenting, disappointing situation, the question is, where's your focus? I've been praying that my teenager, or or, let me rephrase that. I'm hoping that my teenager will come back to the things of God. You're putting your hope in your teenager. Or, Father, I pray right now that my teenager is gonna come back to the things of God. Your word says that if I raise him in the way he should go, and God, you know I did. I brought him to church, I raised him in a godly household, and I believe that you will bring him back to God because your word says that if I raise him in the way he should go, when they are old, they will not depart of it. That's hope in God. I'm believing for my finances. Okay, your finances are in trouble. Well, I hope, I'm hoping that my finances will turn around. Okay, question is, are you doing the things that God tells you about your finances? Are you giving? Because God tells you to. Are you being generous like we talked about during the offering? Because that's God's way of doing it. Are you blessing people? See, that's how, that's how God restores your finances. Um, or you can just go try to do it the, the worldly way. See, that's hope in the world that disappoints. That's hope in God that doesn't disappoint. Well, I want my marriage to get better. Okay, okay, are you doing it God's ways? Because I'm gonna Hopefully, I'm not going to step on some toes. Okay, Ephesians 5, verse 1. A lot of men in society like to read Ephesians 5, uh, verse 21, and where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then they stop reading and say, see, honey, you need to obey me. <laughs> First of all, it has nothing to do with obedience. It's called being submitted to each other out of respect and love. It goes on to say, husbands, be submitted to your wife, even as Christ is submitted to the church. So you want your marriage to get better. Are you respecting each other? Are you developing your marriage on the promises of God? Are you doing things? Are you choosing life in your marriage? Are you being nice to each other? I mean, so often I counsel with people and the simple solution is, golly, just go home and start being nice. Or you can keep going on the way that's gotten you already to start looking up lawyers in the phone book. I mean, that's not working for you. That's not working. Or you can come over here with respect, with submission, with love, with generosity, and rebuild your marriage. See, where's your focus? Where's your focus? Which way are you going? You know, I thought of this incredible story. There's the the woman in the Bible in Luke uh, 8, verse 43. I don't have time to read the whole story, but there's this woman. Many of you will know the most of the story. It's the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that she went 12 years with this sickness, this affirmity on her body, that she literally saw every doctor that was available to her and they sent her home and told her there is absolutely nothing we can do with you. Not 12 days. I mean, I get frustrated having a cold after two days. I'm furious and it's horrible. And I'm imagine 12 years and no hope. They tell her, no hope. Plus, add on to the fact that paying for all those doctors exhausted all of her money. The Bible says she was dead broke. Dead broke. 
Tell me she wasn't desperate. Tell me she wasn't desperate. And she hears that this Jesus guy is going to come through the city. And she thinks to herself, maybe I can just get out there. I'm so sick. And I'm sick of being sick. But if I can just get out there to that Jesus guy. See, she put her focus on Jesus, not on the sickness, not on the, on the, on the financial uh, mess she was in, not on the doctor's report. She turned her focus and said, hey, I got this Jesus guy coming to town tomorrow and I can picture her sitting there the night before with her friends having some coffee. And I mean, you know she had some negative friends too. And I mean, like you and I do, and you know she had a couple of the ladies that went, oh, what's the point of that? I mean, you've tried everything and who is this guy? Anyways, I hear he's crazy and you know, and the Romans are out to get him. Haven't you heard of that? And you know she had that. And see, that's number two is your surroundings. What are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are of positive expectation? People who are lifting you up? I wanna encourage you today. Get in Married Life Fellowship. Young people, get in the network. Get your kids in kids theater. What are they doing in here? They're not getting anything out of this. Get them in kids theater. They're not just entertaining them over there. They're teaching them the word of God through entertainment. Get your teenager in uh, the 180 youth group. Get here to church more than once a week. Hey, what else you gotta do with your time that's more important than choosing the life God wants you to have? When you're in a desperate situation, you need encouragement, you need joy, and this is the place to get it. Some of you should stay for the 1230 service. Half of you missed praise and worship. I saw you. When it started, it was like me and the, the, these people in this row and those two over there. It was like 20 people in here. Why not come to church more? Get some more hope. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Start getting some Christian friends. Volunteer and meet some other Christian people who are living lives of hope. Believe God to bring new friends into your life. See, but I can just picture that woman and she said to her friends, no, 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 no. I'm gonna put my hope in some hope. And I'm gonna get out there. See, sometimes all you've got is to take one more step. Sometimes you're so desperate. You're in so much pain, so much hurt. But all you've got, see, I can just picture her out there in that crowd of people and she's reaching out, just saying, can I get to Jesus? Can I get to Jesus if I can just touch him? Because see, number three is you gotta realize the correlation between faith and hope. See, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of the things you're hoping for. So faith, choosing to believe and speak the promises of God. See, faith is simply taking, the, taking God at his word. And then you believe that, so you speak it. And the Bible says that that faith rises up in you and brings to life the things that you're hoping for. See, I can just see her reaching out, saying, I hope, I hope, can I just get to him? Can I just get to him? If I can just 
get to him. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you're not like that lady. You don't have to wait for Jesus to hopefully one day walk through your life. Jesus is in your heart. He is in your life. You don't have to reach out for him and hope you can touch his garment and hope you can get a piece of him. You've got the word of God. You've got the church of God and you've got the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, Jehovah Jireh, your provider, Jehovah Rapha, your healer is inside of you. And at the same time, he's sitting at the right hand of the father interceding on your behalf so that all of your dreams, all of your victories, all of your hopes, all of your anticipations can come true. You don't have to reach, reach. Can I just reach out and get to, you don't have to. And what's even more incredible, here we go, I'm gonna turn the knob on what Shannon's gonna teach you. Here we go. Listen, it's not about how great your faith is. It's not about how perfect you are. See, Jesus is the God of the great faith. Jesus already paid. Jesus is the king of the impossible. You and I will never be good enough to make impossible things happen. But Jesus who lives inside of us is the one and all we've gotta do is reach out for that hope. And in against all hope, in hope we believe. It's not about our faith. It's about Jesus' faith. And we hope. We have that positive expectation. And in all hope, we believe. Oh my goodness. It's incredible, isn't it? How freeing is that? See, I had a couple walk into my office a couple weeks ago on a Friday. I'm gonna keep you three minutes late. Is that okay? Well, it's happening anyways. So, I had a couple walk in my office on a Friday and I was, honestly, I was really annoyed that I was even there because Friday's my day off. I wanted to be with my wife and my young baby and I was annoyed that I was having to work on a Friday. So anyways, they called me. Uh, this guy's out here with his wife and his kids and they need prayer. So I came walking out there kind of annoyed, to be honest with you. And I repented on my way. And he began to tell me this story that they diagnosed him with these Bubbles in his brain. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even understand it. He said, the, he said, the doctors told me the only people that get this are deep sea divers and they get it when they come up too fast. I go, well, do you deep sea dive? He's like, no, I've never gone scuba diving. And I was like, okay. And he said, Jared, I'm totally desperate. I'm losing my job. They've told me I have to go through 16 treatments and maybe it'll work. And I was like, maybe, my God. He said, I'm gonna lose my job. I can't work during the treatments. I'm gonna lose my job. I don't know what I'm gonna do. We're gonna lose our house. I said, well, let's pray. I don't have the faith for this. Are you kidding me? I don't have the faith for, I don't even understand what I'm praying for. I don't have the faith for that. So I prayed. And man, I'm telling you, I quoted every healing scripture I could think of. I re-quoted them. I changed the words up a little so it would sound a little different. I mean, I went for it all. I mean, I, everything I could think of about healing, I said in this prayer. And I walked off, 
And I thought to myself, man, I hope that worked. I'm just being honest. Man, I hope that worked. He came to me the next week. I was selling tickets. He came up. He said, hey, I had my first treatment. I said, what happened? He said, "Um, doctors can't explain it. I don't have to go back. Bubbles are gone. Hey, listen, listen. All we had was hope. All we had was hope. Maybe you're here today and all you've got is a little bit of hope. Your marriage may be just hanging on to a little piece of hope. I've asked the band to come up and I was just, would you just all stand at this time? And maybe you're here today and you're so lost. Maybe you're addicted to something and you've given up all hope. But I believe today's your day and I wanna invite you to come up here and take the first step. Just come up, start getting out of the aisles. Come up here and say, my life needs to get better. I need healing. I need freedom from addiction. Listen, I know what it's like to battle an addiction. I battled addiction for 11 years through high school and college. I was completely addicted to cigarettes. Completely. And I only found freedom through giving that addiction to Jesus. I believe today is your day. I believe today... If you're struggling with depression, come down here. If you're struggling with not being able to sleep, come down here. If you need financial miracles, come down here. I believe today is the first step in your new life. Today is the first step. Take that step of hope. Take that step of hope today and get your life better. Just say, excuse me, I need to overcome something and I believe today is the first day. Come on down here. Come on, give them a great shout of praise. We're gonna praise God, why? Because the Bible says that when you praise God, that God strengthens you from the inside out. And many of you are here so broken, struggling with regret and depression, and you need strength. You need strength to get through this situation. You need strength to deal with your kids. You know, whatever it is, I believe that today's your day, and right now is the start. I'm gonna pray for you now, As I pray for you, I just want you to start giving it to God. Just give it to God, whatever it is you came down here, if it's one thing or five things, just start giving it, audibly say it, God, I give you that addiction. God, I give you that sickness. God, I give you that depression. I give you that pain. I give you that, this marriage. I give you my finances, God. Just start to say it, Father, I come before you right now. And I thank you, Lord, that we serve a God of the impossible. And I know there's people standing here right now that are so desperate, Father, but they've taken the first step. And I believe that against all hope, they have hope in you, Father. And I thank you that the hope in you will never disappoint. I believe that their situations are turning around. Lord, I break and I confess that no addiction can hold us back anymore. No drug, no cigarette, no pornography, No, nothing can stop us. Lord, your son broke those chains and I believe that those chains are broken in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you to restore happiness and peace and joy into their lives. Let them sleep at night. Let them rest comfortably. Father, I stand against sickness and disease today and we tell it that it has no place, no cancer, no arthritis, 
no herniated discs, no knee trouble, no nothing, no migraine, no blood pressure problem, no diabetes. Father, your son bore sickness. He carried his diseases and I proclaim right now that by his stripes we are healed. Lord, whatever it is, I believe that today is their day. Reinvigorate hope, reignite dreams, bring back a new passion for living, a new passion to see the life that you want them to have. Let them have that joy. Let them have that peace. Let them have that health, that comfort that only you can give and make these impossible situations possible in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a great shout of praise. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.